0: following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So now we're going to return to our study in the Gospel of Luke. And I think that it is no coincidence um, that on this, the day of the year, the one day of the year that we are most um, focused as a people um, on, on the time, right? As, am I mistaken? Is today New Year's Eve? Okay. I was sick all week, so I have no guarantee about what's written down here. We're just trusting the Lord to uh, interpret. Um, it's, uh, it's no coincidence that the Lord has brought us to a text um, that very much has the same concern as most people, and that's time. Um, today. As we look at our text today, we can, um, we can speculate about the person asking Jesus um, a question and what their motivations might be um, and who they are and where they're from. But what is much more important is the answer that this person was trying to get from Jesus. Uh, what's more important is the, the answer that Jesus actually gave. Um, so let's look at the text together of Luke We're going to start at verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, "Lord, will those who are saved be few?" And he said to them, "Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many I tell you will seek to enter and will not be able." When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from me, where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first. And some are first who will be last. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to be gathered together in this place this morning. Lord, we do remember those among our family who are sick and are not able to be with us. We pray that your hand would be on them. Lord, we pray now that your spirit would speak, that you would interpret your word for us. You would show us the one true meaning of the one truth that you have given us in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through you, Lord Jesus. And we are so grateful. We pray that you would glorify yourself in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. So in my imagination, in this scenario that we have read... Um, this person that steps up um, and asks Jesus uh, this question of will those will those who will be saved be few? I imagine that this person just kind of stands up and looks around at those who are around Jesus in that moment, and is like, is this it? The- I would have expected Messiah, the one who's been prophesied to come, to draw a little bit bigger of a crowd uh, than this, you know? Will those who are saved be few? Is this it? And we have to remember, like, maybe in our flannel graph pictures that are stuck in our brains The crowd is enormous. Jesus is talking to millions of people, right? Well, he wasn't. There weren't millions of people there. We're talking about, at most, 120 people that stuck with Jesus, that stuck it out, right? It wasn't until after uh, Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven that people started coming to faith by the thousands, right? We can read about uh, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 people came to faith um, at, at, one, at one time. But that's not yet. So here is a small crowd around Jesus, and somebody stands up and says, honestly, this is, this is it? This is the best you got? And, of course, Jesus, as he often did, uses this question. um, He doesn't answer it, but he answers with another question, right, to get uh, to to a larger issue. Well, he doesn't answer the question, but he uses the question to address a larger issue um, to the crowd at large. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem, and someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door. So this question is asked by one individual. But his response is given to the group. And the, the great thing is you don't even have to go to the Greek to see that. Um, Someone stood up and said to him, blah, 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 and he said to them, blah, blah, blah. Well, his words weren't blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He said to them, right? Um, And this this parable that Jesus gives in response to this question, um, honestly, we can't forget, again, the original audience, the original receptors of this message. This group, however big it might have been or however small it might have been, was Jewish people. We can't forget that, okay? This is the the original receptors of the message. But the good thing is that this also has important personal application to everybody, whether Jews or Greeks, which is you, by the way, Greeks, even if you're not Greek. As far as the Bible is concerned, you are. You're a Gentile. And Jesus uses two different words for those who would enter the master's house, who are seeking to enter, to seek and to strive. Now, these are two different things. The Greek word for strive, where Jesus says strive to enter through the narrow door, this is um, the Greek word where we get our English word agonize. Right? It is means to exercise great intensity and effort, to struggle, to fight. Right? Do all that you can to enter through the narrow door. That's what Jesus is saying. In contrast, he said many will seek to enter and will not be able to once the master closes the door. The word seek, it means to try to do something without success. Um, now I, I don't know that we need to peel a lot of layers back here to see, um, that the narrow door in this parable represents salvation, right? This is the door into God's eternal kingdom. Um, and the person in the crowd asks, how many are going to get in? How, how many people are going to be saved? But Jesus' response shows that instead of asking how many people are going to get in, is this an elite club? He points out that we should all be asking, shall I be one of them? It's not how many are going to be saved. Are you saved? Am I saved? That's the question that we should all be asking. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I don't know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. So remembering the original audience. The Jewish people had accounted their relationship to Abraham as their invitation to enter God's kingdom, right? Because they were actual physical descendants from Abraham, that meant to them that they were in. They could trace their lineage back, right? That is what made them a citizen of heaven. These people ate and drank with Jesus outwardly but did not have inward communion with him. He taught in their streets, but they didn't listen to his word. They persevered in their unbelief and impenitence to the end. J.J. Van Oosterzee, our favorite guy, he wrote, One may do much for his own salvation and without success if he omits the one thing that is needful. Verse 28 says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who will be, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. Warren Wiersbe said that Jesus pictured the kingdom of God as a great feast, and I love that because I haven't eaten for a week. (laughs) He pictures the patriarchs and the prophets as honored guests at the feast, but many of the people who were invited waited too long to respond. And when they arrived at the banquet hall, it was too late and the door was shut. Again, remember, Jesus' original audience was Jewish, and he was calling to account those who were counting on other things for their entrance into this feast, such as their own ideas of inheritance due to their lineage, as well as those who were invited but for various reasons decided to wait, to wait to go. But when they finally arrived, they found the door shut to them. They would also observe those from the east and west, north and south at God's table instead of them. Who's that? Good news, folks. It's you. Those from the north and the south and the east and the west is the rest of the world. The Gentile world. And those would be at God's table instead of these folks. And the result is anguish and anger as they are locked out of God's kingdom. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sorrow and frustration. Again, this narrow door in the parable represents salvation, entrance into God's eternal kingdom. And how many doors does Jesus represent? How many doors does he mention? Like a bunch, right? This is just one of many ways into God's kingdom, right? No. Singular, narrow door. If you want to enter God's kingdom, there's one way in. This is not popular teaching in our world, but it is the truth, the one truth. There is no way into God's eternal kingdom except through the narrow door. Amen. Amen. This person in the crowd asks, "How many shall be saved?" But Jesus' response shows that instead of asking how many should be saved, we should all be asking, shall I be one of them? Have I entered through the narrow door? I think that's a question we all must wrestle with continuously, right? We might look back. We might think back on our life. Well, I remember at that youth rally that one time, I went forward and I was crying and I was a mess and I gave my heart to Jesus and then I picked it up and took it back. I don't know how many of you share the same story that I that I have. How many times go to the altar at camp, go to the altar at youth rally, go to the uh, over and over and over again, and every single time, picking up my heart and taking it out with me. We have to continuously wrestle with that question: Am I saved? I don't think that this is a matter of. Um, uh, assurance of salvation we have to continually wrestle with the fact there is only one way in we need to make sure we're in i would also pose the question why would anybody wait right these these folks received the invitation to enter through the narrow door and waited the day is coming when the master is going to close the door and people are going to be on the outside. The narrow way, the way of Christ, isn't easy. Entering through the narrow gate comes at a cost. It does. Following Jesus means to admit that we're in fact sinners and that we need saving. It means to submit our will to his. It means to let go of our pride and our false senses of security or personal goodness. Why would God lock me out of God's kingdom? Why would he shut the door in my face? I've never done anything to anybody. Well, you just lied. So that's there's that. We have to let go of the idea that somehow we deserve to enter into the master's house. Folks, we live on grace. We don't deserve a seat at the table. This song, the, 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 uh, my, my worth and unworthiness, what a strange paradox that is. But it's true. You know? I have people say to me when, when I struggle with things, you know, you're worthy. Ha! Huh. Do you not know me? We, we don't deserve God's grace. And yet he still extends it to us. And how he determines who's whether or not we're I, that's math I can't solve. But I'm grateful for it. Striving to enter through the narrow door does not mean that we, we work uh, to earn our place, to prove our worth, or anything like that. We can't earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves good enough to enter through the narrow gate. As I already quoted our friend Van Oosterzee, one may do much For his own salvation and without success if he omits the one thing that is needful. And what is that one thing? And what is that one thing? It's faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is a gift, right? It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you have been given it through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. So no one can boast. I got in here because I'm me. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) So how can we strive for that which we receive as a gift? Strive to enter through the narrow door. Will we enter by grace? Uh Uh-huh. Seems like a paradox again, doesn't it? Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. To the end, to the end, to the end. Hold firm, hold fast to the end. We must all be in a constant state of self evaluation. Is there an evil, unbelieving heart leading me away from the living God? Am I being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? Am I holding firm to my original confidence in Christ? This is the Christian life. And for those that may think that time is on your side, I'll get to it, right? I'll, when I'm done, my whatever, my fun... You think that you have time on your side, time to get things right with God and on your own schedule. Once you're done living your own way or once you get old like me and tired of living fast and loose. Once you've decided that it's time to grow up. You don't have time. Time is not on your side. There is a time coming when the door will be shut. There is a time coming when it will be everlastingly too late to enter into the master's house. The narrow door is going to close. Wasn't that great news? <laughs> this, this thought should motivate us to do everything we can to make sure, number one, we've entered through the narrow door. And we have invited as many people as we can to come with us. None of us know the day or the hour. The father is going to say, son, it's time. Go and gather my church. It's time for judgment. It's time to end all of this pain and misery and inaugurate the eternal kingdom. That day is coming. Why would anyone wait? Enter through the narrow door. In Matthew's records of these words in his gospel, he wrote, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So be part of the few. And make the few a little bit more by calling out to your friends, your family, your neighbors. Come to Jesus and live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this warning in your word. We thank you for the wonderful truth that there is only entrance into your kingdom by repentance and faith in Jesus to accept the truth that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And you graciously offer us forgiveness, not through any worth or value of our own, but simply because you love us. Lord, I thank you for the reminder to make sure that we have entered through the narrow gate, to continually ask you for help in pointing out the sin in our lives, that the things that pull us away from you, that distract us from your way. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness to offer the invitation of salvation to those around us, not complicated. Help us, Lord, to show our friends and our family How wonderful it is to be called your child, to be forgiven of our sin, to be adopted into your wonderful family. Lord, help us be on our guard against sin and against the enemy who would tear us down. We're so grateful for your love for us. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.